for wisdom for a deeper human life, shared insights. Welcome to All Things Intriguing with your host, Dr. Ray Newkirk. That's me, Applied Moral Wisdom, Episode 10, Summary of the Series, Part 7. When I speak about the spirituality of executives, I'm speaking about the intrinsic qualities that illuminate moral wisdom in the executive life. These qualities include the cardinal virtues that we've spoken about and the derivative values such as respect, gratitude, fairness, integrity, decency, honesty, kindness, generosity, love, and, and gentleness. We've been speaking about all of those. These are very important intrinsic qualities that illuminate moral wisdom. Not so easy to arrive at these qualities, to make them part of your life, to live them habitually, normally, with a deep commitment to them. It's the work of life. It's the way we go. It's our vocation. The more people can order their lives to express these spiritual attributes, the more people can live a more fulfilling and rewarding life. Notice I call them spiritual attributes. Spiritual, not material. You know, respect. That's a spiritual thing. I respect another person. They respect me. That's from the heart. Gratitude. So important. I've talked about gratitude. as how important it is to show gratitude. And it tells you who you are. If you want to know a person, find out if they're a person of gratitude. If they have no gratitude, they're kind of empty. And fairness, integrity, and decency is very important. Decency is really lacking today. Honesty, we talk a lot about the people of the lie. Scott M. Peck wrote that book, People of the Lie. A really, really great book about what's going on with people's lives where they lie so much and how to get out of that, how it owns you, complicates your life. Generosity, kindness, gentleness. We talked about in the last episode about the things that take away gentleness, like prejudice, you know, self-destructiveness, lack of motivation, things like that. So the more people can order their lives to express these spiritual attributes, the more we can live a more fulfilling and rewarding life. Isn't that what you all want? You know, most people go about it the wrong way. Hello. Thanks for listening. Welcome to my podcast. It will be far-ranging, challenging, surprising, insightful, informative, and even interesting. It is brought to you by the Systems Management Institute in Orlando, Florida. Check us out at www.smirsp.com. We'll be happy when you do that. When all the boasting is over, what is any person but just another person? Even when honor in this life is merited, it has no lasting value. It is smoke that weighs nothing. It all just evaporates. It goes away. Remember Julius Caesar? When he died, Mark Anthony, his friend, said, the good men do is often interred with their bones. The evil men 
do lives after them? Is that something we can remember the bad people do, but not the good? Why do people boast so much? I know sometimes you talk about your life and the things that you've done, the places that you've been, just because you're searching, just because you're searching for meaning. Not you intend to brag about it. One time I was in a group of people at a site in California, Petaluma, and people were talking about their experiences in traveling. So I talked about mine. I added a few things. They talked about their experiences in athletics. I talked a little bit. I was thought I was participating. So this went on for a little bit. I'm sitting there talking to them and sharing, and they're sharing, and I'm sharing. And I thought it was just great. I really enjoyed learning about them and letting them know I'm there with them. So the next day, their boss came to me. And he said, boy, did I come across bad. I said, what are you talking about? People saw you as such a bragger. I said, well, how come? Well, because if they were in athletics, you outdid them. If they went to school, you outdid them. If they went to a place, you went to three places. And I had never realized that. I thought it was just sharing. I was just being open. You know what I learned from that? You can't just be open. That you can share with other people to the point they really want to let you in. And you're probably never as much in as you think you are. I was stunned by this. I was having a good time. Everybody seemed to be nice. Nobody, there was no bad intent or no negative stuff. But that's what was reported back to me. Isn't that something? Now, when I checked on this a little bit later, I was able to do a little bit of discerning. I found out the one that was bothering the most about it was the guy that came and said something to me. He was their boss. Because he hadn't done the things that they had done. I had done some of the things they had done a little bit more. They had not done. But he had done not much of anything. So he could come pick a bone with me, right? <laughs> All right. He was paying the bills. He was my client. So it's very political because emotions. And so many things happen with people. So many inadequacies invade their life. Because they make them that. You know? Why can't you just be happy for people? No, and people be happy for you. But it's really, really difficult. The most difficult part of human life is human relationships. The most important part of human life is human relationships. So the most important life is the hardest. But it's quite true what St. Augustine had to say in the third, fourth century. When all the boasting is over, what is any person but just another person? Even when honor in this life is merited, it has no lasting value. There's smoke that weighs nothing. Think all the great authors. Even Einstein had to work. He worked in the patent office when he wrote his important papers, four in one year. Made him quite famous. But he still had to go to work. But to him, it wasn't work. It was his life's love. You see? We just have to keep that in mind. 
that life is bigger than us, but people would like to make it our life smaller than theirs, right? So when we talk, it's like we don't want to boast. But some people, no matter what you say, will only hear about the things they want to fight about. Remember what I said one time? People will love you and they will hate you. But it has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with them. You know? Important terms. Everyone has their own definition for these three words. Know your definitions and begin from there. They will probably change in time. First word, I call it term, gentleness. What is your definition of gentleness? How do you order it in your life? What kind of importance do you place on gentleness? How hard is it for you to be gentle? How consistent are you as a gentle person? So what is your definition of gentle? Does it mean weak? Does it? Is a gentle person a pushover? A gentle person scared of their own shadow? Hmm. What about the second word? Spiritual. What is your definition of spiritual? Does it just mean religious? That you're a religious person? Or does it mean you're bigger than yourself? And you can connect with things through your heart? Rather than through your criticism? What does it mean to be spiritual? Does it mean you see things differently? You feel things differently? You value different things? What makes you a spiritual person? You think you're going to live forever? What was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie? Conan the Barbarian. What did his girlfriend say to him? Don't want to live forever. Who wants to live forever, right? Something like that. So think about it. We're talking about gentleness and spiritual. Are they the same? Can you be gentle without being spiritual? Can you be spiritual without being gentle? And what about the term enduring? What is your definition of enduring? It means the last a long time or does it mean the last forever? Does it mean the last until you got another interest? That it'll be there till only then? And scripture talks about things of God enduring forever. Think about this. This will make you spiritual, gentle, and enduring. Maybe. In the beginning, there was nothing but the Creator. Now, I can get into all kinds of theological discussions about some of this stuff. 
you know, about fullness of the Creator, no motion and movement within the Creator because God never goes from potential to lack because God has no potential because God is complete in all ways. God has no parts because God is cosmologically beyond the universe and completeness. And so let's suppose there was nothing but God. Was God lonely? Hmm? So why did God create? Was he having fun? Is it because he had a sense of humor? You know? Some people refer to God as she. You ever think about that? God is neither he or she. But you think about this. If you're a male, most often you will project masculine pronouns. Males say he, females say she. Because females will project female pronouns. You know? And it's beyond our understanding. Because we don't even understand our own being here. But we can ask a million questions. But you know, miracles do happen in many lives. And this great astronomer once said that the scientist gets to the mountaintop and he gets there and he finds God already there. I give you a clue. As an astronomer, his name started with an A, his last name. Another one that's even more prominent started with a J, J-A. Okay? But you know, I'll tell you what's really not a mystery. Your term for definition. What's the definition? What's the description? Can you define gentleness? Or is it easier to describe it? Or you define it by describing it? What about spiritual? And what about enduring? I'll tell you what endures a lot in people. Bad habits. They have to fight for their good habits, right? Bad habits are easy. You know? So everyone has their own definition for these three words. Some of them are pretty close to others. Some of them are quite different. Some of them are quite creative. It will really surprise you how people define some of these terms. But here's a word for you. What's the definition? Can you define definition? Can you define description? And so are you defining gentleness, spiritual, and enduring? Are you describing it? And are they the same? What does this have to do with anything? It has to do with applied moral wisdom. Because how are you to define that? Do you know that if you believe in a creator, and the creator moved to create all of us in reality in the universe, and the thousands of universes some people posit as existing, The Creator created from a knowledge that the Creator had of what was. A model, so to speak. 
And the only thing that was, was the creator. So the creator created from knowledge of oneself. So it is truly a spiritual, religious thing to learn about reality. Because you're learning about what the creator knows about the creator. Right? And did you notice when you go to the forest, you have more than one tree? Whatever the Creator did, the Creator did in abundance. That's why you have so many galaxies and stars and stuff. It was a big act how all this came about. Nobody really knows for sure. They are called theories. To be proven or not proven. Interesting, right? I think it's very intriguing. So, a good way to improve the gentle life is to improve your commitment. Be a person that keeps your commitments. People like people who keep their commitments. If you keep your commitments, you enjoy time better through gentleness. Your time will be more pleasing because you're going to be proud of yourself. Some people are habitually late to make an appointment. A point. I once knew a lady that told me she was always 20 minutes late to teach them a lesson. Yeah, all right. Okay, how did she come up with that one? Sure didn't make everybody warm about her. What was the lesson they wanted to teach her? That she wanted to teach them. That she wasn't reliable? Yeah, that works. That she wasn't on time? That works. That she wasn't reliable? That works. She sure didn't teach him she was in charge. She couldn't even control herself. Through commitment, we better manage spiritual roles and responsibilities. And here's another one that's really important. Through commitment, which is part of the gentle life, we better manage personal boundaries. Now think about this. If you're a gentle, a gentle person, you will tend to improve how you make commitments and keep them. You know why? Because you don't want any problems. Mafi miscula, we said in the Middle East, no problem. Mafi miscula, no problem. Don't bring me a problem. That's what they would say. The Saudi officers would say, Dr. Ray, Mafi miscula, no problem. Don't bring me a problem. So you get very good at bringing solutions. See, so one reason you want to live a gentle life is to be able to improve your commitments. One feeds the other. The more gentle you are, the more committed you are in keeping your commitments. And the more you keep your commitments, the more you can be gentle because less people are yelling at you and less aggravated you get. So you don't have to snap back. You ever think about the relationship between all of these things that people should be doing, like being gentle and keeping commitments? So you can enjoy your time better through gentleness. Better manage your spiritual roles and responsibilities because you can be more loving and have more joy in your life. And better manage your personal boundaries. One of the most difficult things to learn is how to manage your personal boundaries. You know, you can't give away your life. 
You have to have an entry point and an exit point in your boundaries for people to come in and leave. They're not you. They don't own you. They must respect your boundaries. You respect them too and respect theirs. Being a gentle person can help you do that because you don't want to be overbearing. You know? So, what are the prerequisites to all of this? Being a gentle spiritual executive. Successful executives are appreciated for their ability to look at situations differently, to design creative solutions to vexing challenges. That's why they get promoted. That's why ideally they become executives because they're known and appreciated for their ability to look at situations differently and see things others don't. There's an advantage in that especially in the business world, because that gives you a competitive edge. But do you know what it takes to be a person like that? What's the first prerequisite? Can you guess? To do well to everything we've been talking about? Yeah. You must be open to new ideas. Bingo. Number one. You know, don't be closed-minded. Be open to new ideas. That's how you see things differently. You put a bunch of new ideas together and you come up with something quite unique. A new kind of intellectual salad. Your second prerequisite is you, may, you remain grounded in your faith. I didn't say trust. What do you believe in? You don't vacillate so easily. Listen, you can change my mind about a lot of things, but you better have a darn good argument because I've thought a lot about the things I maintain and hold. I've done a lot of reflection, a lot of thinking, with a lot of experience, but I am open to new ideas. Yeah, that's right but I am grounded in the things I maintain because they don't come easy. I just jit and hop on the opinion bandwagon. You know, remember when I was talking earlier about people living by assertion? They can be Pretty bizarre. I remember when I was a kid, somebody said to me, somebody said, Ray, do you know how to tell if there's an elephant in the icebox? I said, no, ma'am. And she said to me, smell the peanuts on his breath. Ridiculous, right? Or do you know how to catch a giraffe? You get a matchbox. A little matchbox. You know those little boxes that have matches? You know the, the wooden ones, not, not the paper ones. You get a matchbox and you go to Africa. You go out in the country and you look where a bunch of giraffes are. And so what you do is you get close as you can to them safely and you lay down and you go to sleep. Now these giraffes will see you 
going to sleep. So they'll get sleepy too, especially if you're yawning. You know how you catch on for yawning. Catch it from other people. Well, giraffes are no different. So they'll lay down right beside you and go to sleep. But since you went to sleep first, you will wake up first. And you take that matchbox, and out of that matchbox, you take your miniature telescope. And you take that telescope, and you look in the wrong end. And when you look at the wrong end of a telescope, you notice what everything does? It shrinks. It gets smaller, not bigger. It gets smaller. When it goes on the draft, the draft shrinks. So you pick that draft up, put it in the matchbox, and you take it home. And that's how you catch a draft. You know, somebody actually told me that. Isn't that something? And we all laughed. Now, here's the pathetic thing. If we can assert truths without any evidence, and we can argue that we are not what we are, just because we want to, because it feels better. All right? What's to stop us from eventually getting to the point where we believe stupid stuff like that? You know? The kind of things people are beginning to believe. All right? Destroys moral wisdom. You see? There are boundaries I talk about, and even the things that we believe and maintain and assert. Some people assert things all the time. It's called fibbing. And they do it deliberately to misdirect. You know what the term gaslighting is? I know this lady, she gaslights all the time. She's really good at it. Used to be a salesperson for years. If you ask her something, she'd start talking about something else. She would deflect even when she doesn't need to, you hardly even know the person you ask them something, she will deflect. So you have to wonder what she's worried about. What is she afraid of? But the point of that kind of silly joke was that people can get so unreasonable. Like when they tell you truth doesn't exist. When they tell you that your gender has nothing to do with anything but your choice. See, I know people in politics that believe you have a right and it should be legal to kill your new baby until you take him home from the hospital. And I know other people that believe you have a right to kill your baby until they're at least six months old. Yeah, I've heard him argue this stuff. President Obama hired a guy from Harvard who is a professor that believes such nonsense. Yeah. He didn't know where human life started. See, if you say human life starts when you have the use of reason, that's what, six, seven years old? Mm-hmm. You don't reason too good when you're two or three. You luck out a little bit. But there are people that are alive today and making significant contributions to the grace of humanity that if their parents could have had an abortion, they would have done it. And thank goodness it wasn't legal when a lot of people who were alive today were alive because they wouldn't be alive today. 
It's a highly personal thing, you know. Whatever your choice is and whatever you think about, you better think deeply about what it means to you and why you're here. I mean, I know a really famous person who was really terribly abused by her relatives. And her mother treated her terrible, and her mother would have boarded her if she could. And this person that was so abused became a very well-known, multi-multi-millionaire, successful personality. But I am sure that she would have been gotten rid of if her mother could have legally had an abortion because she didn't want any kids. And she mistreated the one she had, you know? That's the cold reality of it all. You know? It's this assertion thing. We must be grounded in our faith. And what do you believe in? The value of life? Or the comfort of life? That if life has no convenience, you don't want to live it? You don't want to struggle, become greater, bigger than you are? The third prerequisite Possess a critical mind, not a judgmental mind. And make sure it's refined with emotional intelligence. Think about that. First prerequisite must be open to new ideas. Second prerequisite, remain grounded in your faith. Third prerequisite, possess a critical mind, not judgmental and refined with emotional intelligence. Use your emotional intelligence to refine you. There are so many people that have an axe to grind today. They have an agenda. But successful people like executives are appreciated for their ability to look at situations differently and they design creative solutions to vexing challenges. But there are three prerequisites to that. Must be open to new ideas, remain grounded in your faith, possess a critical mind, not a judgmental mind, and it should be refined with emotional intelligence. Isn't it kind of nice? You just don't go like a loose cannon running around saying and doing whatever you want. You know, I saw a video last month I think it was last month time goes so fast showed a young girl with her newborn infant wrapped in a newspaper she was throwing it in a garbage can not a garbage can those big things where you throw an apartment complex those are garbage one of those big things she threw her garbage in it it was caught on a videotape she didn't need to do that she could turn it into a fire department cops a hospital church but she threw it in the garbage part of her went to term it was alive no clothes on they got it took it to the hospital it was freezing to death this is winter time folks and they saved that baby now that baby someday could come grow up to be somebody great and famous if it has a good life, adoption knows love. In spite of that, 
Listen, I know a lady that was aborted and survived. So the doctor wanted to put her in the freezer. But the nurse took her from that and put it in the nursery. She got fired for it, I think. But put it in the nursery, saved this baby's life. Today, the baby's out giving speeches about the value of life. We have to grow up and see these things clearly. We have to have a better way to protect human life by valuing that different. Not less, but more. But responsible in our moral life. These guys that produce a dozen babies with a dozen different women, they probably should be locked up, right? They're a danger to society, danger to the future. They should grow up. It's just terrible things to do. It's not manly and decent and loving. Kind of rethink all of this. They lack moral wisdom. So, let me share an insight. Spiritual skills build potent relationships. Did you know that? I'm, talk, I'm not talking about religious infighting here. I'm talking about spiritual skills. Like liking someone. Loving someone. Being gentle with someone. Sharing time with someone. Spiritual skills increase gentleness and positive change. They develop new capacities for growth and positive change. That's how they build potent relationships. Think about it. Do we like people who are mean to us? Or do we like people who are nice to us? Do we like people who treat us with love and gentleness and encourage us to have a better life? And they're there to celebrate when we do and to congratulate us? Are we there and connecting with people that want to help us develop new capacities for growth and change and joy in our life? You see? These are spiritual things. And they're built within us. They are developed through spiritual skills like sharing love, telling the truth, being patient, caring. You see? Isn't that something? They're, everything's related. It's a system. It fits together. It's just wonderful. It's a puzzle with all the pieces coming together. Wow. It would be something if we all could live like that, huh? I've had glimpses of it. And uh, I've seen people that live that way. You ever meet a person that always smiles? I remember in high school we had somebody like that. She always smiled. It drove us crazy, right? All right. What is she smiling about? We have an exam today. She was pleasant as could be. Yep. 
You know, I don't remember what she looks like. I don't remember how tall she was. But I remember how pleasant she was and how she smiled. Yes. We can remember the good things too. Not just the bad things. Let me give you a fact of life. The authentic sign of strength is gentleness. Did you know that? One has to be strong to have the courage to be gentle, don't you? Since the root of gentleness is moral wisdom, the lack of gentleness is evident in moral indifference. One of my favorite people said that. No, it wasn't Thomas Aquinas. It wasn't Scott M. Peck. It wasn't even St. Augustine or St. Benedict or John Paul XXIII or Carl Sagan or Albert Einstein. Nope. It was Ray Newkirk. Yeah. Took me a long time to learn that. I have found that the strongest people I knew in my life were the most gentle. Always. I knew Olympic weightlifters, world champion caliber guys. Some of them could take 500 pounds. I saw a guy in military press, for you who might know, 450 pounds. Bob Brunarski. Yeah, back in the 70s, young guy. 450 pounds, he military pressed. Yep. So I've seen guys like that, and some of them were as gentle as can be. I had a coach for a while. Best coach I ever had. He knew more about the sport than anybody alive. He's the most gentle soul I had ever known. One of the good, best persons I've ever known. And not only was gentle, he was generous with his time. He was loving. He nurtured people. It was him. And you know what? He had Parkinson's. He developed Parkinson's. He's a record setter. Became a master's champion and developed Parkinson's. But he was always kind. I loved it when he stayed over at our house. Had a wonderful wife, wonderful daughter. Developed Parkinson's. My buddy Don. Never forgot him. Yes. So you see, there's strength in gentleness. Are you strong enough to be gentle? You know? The authentic sign of strength is gentleness. One has to be strong to have the courage to be gentle. Since the root of gentleness is moral wisdom. The lack of gentleness is evidence in moral indifference. Have you ever met a sociopath who is really, really gentle and kind and wonderful and considerate? I'll spell that answer for you. N O. No. They're kind of gruff, you know? But they're not gentle. And they are morally indifferent. No. 
There's all kinds of people. Some people are saintly, gracious, wonderful people. They keep they keep the world going. You know? It's interesting, right? I find it intriguing. I hope you do too. So guess what? Our time is up on episode 10, part 7. Thank you for joining me on this discussion about applying moral wisdom. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. I will be back with episode 10, part 8 next week. I think it's about, what, 5 o'clock in the morning? Dr. Ray Newkirk, Systems Management Institute, 407-864-7756, R. Newkirk at smilc.info, www.smirsp.com, forever forward is my solution. Go forward, young man. Don't look backward. Go forward. Thank you. Good night, and see you soon.